Can, you, can everybody hear me as I'm speaking? Yeah. Do I need to raise my voice at all? No. Great, fantastic. Okay, um, that's brilliant. We are this morning in Mark's Gospel. It's great to see you. Um, it's really, really good to see you. If you've got a Bible in front of you, please keep it open at that passage. And um, also, there's some handouts on the table if you'd like to follow along with a handout. Um, that'd be great. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to have a look at that. And um, just before we do so, I am going to pray. So let's pray together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for what we've sung this morning. Thank you for the cross that forgives us of all our sin. Thank you that we can stand on every promise of your word. Father, we turn to you now and ask that you'd help us, that you'd bless us by the power of your spirit. And Father, we, we ask that you'd open our eyes to, to who Jesus is. As uh, you do that, we ask, Father, that um, we would love him more for who he is. Father, pray that would be true too in Sunday school and creche. Pray, Father, for, for the children that have gone out, that they would know you, that they would see Jesus very clearly this morning. And we pray for the other churches in Camborne as well. Father, please would they proclaim you faithfully and would they be built up in Christ for your glory. Amen. Uh, Mark Dever is a, uh, he's an American pastor. I don't know if you've ever heard of him or if you've ever read any of his books. Um, but he spent some time in Cambridge. He's now in Washington. He spent some time in Cambridge. And uh, recently I was, I was reading about a meeting that he had uh, with a friend. Just listen to what he says as he kind of recalls this meeting. He says, one time while I was in, in Cambridge, I was dining out with a friend. And he was expressing his anger at a recent decision of the city council to sell some land beside a school near his house. As he talked, I, I recalled how typical this was of my friend. He was always expressing anger about this or that, uh, some, uh, this or that authority, or what they had done. So I asked him a simple question. Do you think authority is bad? Now I thought he would give me a carefully crafted answer, shaded with subtle meanings, but I was shocked by his unnuanced Simple and direct answer, yes, authority is bad. Now, I wonder if you can relate to that. You know the kind of thing uh, you know, that you may come out with from time to time. I, I can't believe that they decided to do this. You know, these people in authority decided to do this. That's outrageous. Maybe it's not that you get angry but authority uh, is simply in your way, and so you reject it. You know, no one will notice if I just uh, break the speed limit by five miles an hour, because I just need to get to go, need to get to where I'm going. It's just in my way. Maybe you're afraid of authority. You know, if you submit to it, you'll think you're going to lose out. So you bury it, you run away from it. 
I guess whatever our natural reaction to authority, we live in a society, don't we, that's suspicious of it. Uh, you know, we're, we're sceptical of authority. And with that, the question I want us to consider this morning is, well, what do we make of Jesus? Because what we see in the passage of Mark this morning is Jesus has authority. Jesus has authority. Now that should be no surprise to us, should it? Because over the past couple of weeks, what we've seen is that Jesus is the king. So of course he has authority. He's God's king and he brings God's kingdom and we're called to follow him. Those are the truths that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. And, and, and that, that's, um, that is a, a really an introduction to Mark that then is worked out throughout the rest of the book. So just to briefly kind of step back and, and zoom out for a second, the, her, the first half of the book will, will show us who Jesus is. You know, we will clearly see that he is indeed the king. You know, he, he is the one who brings God's kingdom. The second half of the book will show us how it is that Jesus brings his kingdom. Not with uh, power and force, as some might think, but with self-sacrifice. But you see, the point I'm trying to make here is, is this morning, when we're in the very, uh, very much the first half of the book, we will see that Jesus is, is the king. He, he is a man with authority. He's called his disciples. He now appears before large groups of people. And we see that he has this incredible authority. And so I guess the question is, well, if that is what we see of Jesus, how is it that we respond not just to authority, but to him? Now, look, I understand that our, our society and, and ourselves can be sceptical of authority. We, we may even hate it. We, we understand that because so often we see side by side with power and authority, we see abuse. You know, it's so easily positions of authority are used really, really badly. And so it's no surprise that people are suspicious. But what we see this morning of Jesus is the exact opposite. He has more authority than anyone on this earth. And yet it is overwhelmingly good. Now, in this section of Mark, people can't miss it. They're, they're amazed at his authority. They see how good it is. And so they come to him. They flock to him. And that's the real question for us this morning. It's not what do we make of his authority, but do we see it in such a way that we come to him? There's three things for us to see about his authority. Firstly, Jesus' authority is supernatural. It's supernatural. Jesus' authority is supernatural. So we see this as Jesus, Jesus arrives on the public scene, and what happens? Two things happen. He drives out this impure spirit, a demon, and then he heals somebody of sickness. And it's really clear that he has authority like no other. You know, it's out of this world, it's supernatural. So Jesus arrives at a synagogue. That's a place where people would gather together and they'd hear the Bible taught, just the Old Testament at that point. Uh, it's a bit like this, um, uh, but different. And Jesus arrives and he begins to teach. Stands up, begins to teach. And have a look at the reaction in verse 22. Uh, verse 22, uh, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. 
Now that was some statement. See, the teachers of the law were people who, who knew their Old Testament backwards. They would have studied the finer te- detail. They would be the go-to people for this. You, know, you ask them any question and they, they would know the answer. They were enormously respected. And yet Jesus has teaching... Sorry, Jesus' teaching has authority that's not like theirs. It's greater than theirs. Now, we don't know the content of, of what, what he said at this point, but what happens next shows us that Jesus' words have greater impact than any of the human teachers. Just read with me from verse 23. Verse 23, just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were also amazed that they asked each other, what is this, a, a new teaching? And with authority, he gives orders to the impure spirits, even gives orders to the impure spirits, and they obey him. You see, this is the Holy One of God. Jesus taking on the unseen enemy and yet the greatest enemy of God, impure, evil spirits. And they're no match for him. You know, this isn't kind of a, an equal contest of good and evil where you, you watch the battle in some kind of film scene and you're on the edge of the seat because you don't quite know who's going to win. Uh, it's not like that. Je- Jesus speaks and they obey. Now the scene moves on. In case we've forgotten uh, what we saw last week, uh, uh, Jesus has disciples with him. Uh, He's called Simon Andrew and and James and John and and they all leave the synagogue and they go to the home of Simon and Andrew in verse 29 and and what happens is Simon tells, they they share with him, Simon's mother-in-law is ill, she's sick, she's in bed with a fever, they can't do anything. What does Jesus do? We'll have a look at verse 31. So he went to her, he took her hand and helped her up and the fever left her and she began to wait on them see no way that any other doctor would be able to do with a touch she's restored it's amazing now the news of Jesus' authority is spread it's spreading at this point and that evening Jesus is doing what we've just seen in these two episodes but he's doing it for everyone Let's have a look at verse 32. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who were ill and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So you see, as they gathered to Jesus, the whole town gathered to Jesus. Everyone in that town that was suffering was suddenly completely free of demons and sickness, all in one evening. That's authority like no other. It's a bit like um, one of my um, old head teachers. Uh, I used to, this is when I was a teacher, not not a student, but I was a teacher in Suffolk, a massive school, like 1,500 kids, and um, big school, but big head, big head teacher. This guy was massive, and he had a very soft voice, and he carried around with him this weight of authority. And now his name was Mr. Common, but he, his authority was such that the kids used to call him Corporal Common. Uh, I don't know how aware of, you, of that he was. 
but that's what they used to call him. Anyway, every year, Corporal Common, Mr. Common, ordered a fire drill. And on one level, the teachers, they used to dread it. Because what, what, what you had to do, a whole school piled outside onto a field. And as a teacher, what you had to do was get the class you had in a straight line, dead straight line, and you had to get them in silence. And it was chaos. Absolute chaos. The kids were excited uh, to miss their lesson. They were excited to see one another. They would constantly talk and run around and mess around. And you, you kind of see all the teachers kind of frantically trying to, to sort things out. And then suddenly, it would all just fall silent. And you kind of look around. And you'd see that Corporal Common had, had, had come out onto the field. See, he had authority like no other. He, he, he came out, and every kid was in line. Every kid was silent. That's something of a, of a picture of what's going on here. You know, there's suffering in the town. It's in chaos. No one can really do anything with it. And Jesus comes, and everything is put right. Now, of course, Jesus is not dealing with a bunch of school children. You know, his authority is, is the authority over this fallen world. That these are things that take hold of us. They dominate us. I imagine, you know, if you're anything like me, you'll be really unaware of evil spirits. But the truth is they're real. And... Before we come to Christ, we are trapped under their rule. You know, we may think that doctors can cure us of infections and diseases. Maybe we even think they can, you know, they can cure us of dreadful things like cancer. But there's always more sickness. You know, there's always the shadow of death. And these are things that ultimately no one can set us free from, apart from Jesus Christ. His authority is, is not just higher than any other, it's supernatural. It's the authority of God. Now, of course, we see that, don't we? You know, go back to our kind of initial thinking. Like we see that this is used in a really, really good way. But but what does that mean? You know, does it mean that actually, if we go to Jesus, we'll instantly be free from all these troubles and stresses of life? Does it mean that? Well, ultimately, yes, but perhaps not in the way that we'd expect. And we know this because of the second thing we see this morning. The second thing we see is that Jesus' authority comes with a message. Jesus' authority comes with a message. So Jesus has just sorted out this whole town and the news of his authority is spreading. And there's a question at this point, isn't there, over, over what has he come to do? Who, who is this guy? You know, how will he use his authority and what we see here is, is that his priority is not so much the healing and the casting out, but proclaiming a message. See, the story moves on to the next day. In verse 35, we see that Jesus got up early. He went on his own off to a solitary place where he prayed. 
And the disciples, they go and look for him and they interrupt Jesus and have a look at what they say in verse 37. They find him, verse 37, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. That's not necessarily a good thing. So when people go looking for Jesus, it's not always because they believe in him. It's completely possible that they just went to him to, 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 for, you know, to get their problems to fix, to, to be healed, uh, to, for Jesus to perform miracles. And at this point, we kind of expect Jesus to do exactly that, don't we? That's what he's been doing. You know, he could, at this point, be the greatest miracle worker in the world, be the greatest healer that, that, that the world has ever seen. But instead, have a look at what he says in verse 38. Jesus replied... Let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach. So that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he travelled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. You see, Jesus has a message. He's come to preach. Now, it doesn't mean he's not interested in casting out demons or healing people. It simply means that that kind of supernatural authority comes with a message. See, verse 39, Jesus is preaching and casting out demons. He's doing both at the same time. Now, we're not told what his message is at this point. But what we see throughout the rest of the mark, what we see, the very next thing we see is is as, as he heals people, as he casts out demons, he speaks as well. And it points to something much, much greater than just a healing. Now, look, it's really important for us to know that. You don't ever come to Jesus thinking that he guarantees you good health. You know, that he guarantees you ease in this life. You know, don't ever think that he will heal you of something here and now. He can do that. But it's not guaranteed. Never. And I guess, you know, some people therefore think, actually, he's a bit like the town council. You know, that the authority of Jesus is bad. You know, you've probably seen this. I've seen this. I think I've even experienced it where you get angry with, with God. You get angry with Jesus because he doesn't seem to help you. He doesn't seem to help a loved one. Okay, so here's, here's this amazingly powerful man. And he could stop this at any time. But if he came to preach, then... Rather than to heal everyone, it can't be good at all. Actually, what we see in the very next thing is one of those healings that points to something much, much bigger. And it tells us just how good his authority is. Last thing we see this morning. Jesus' authority is willing to make us clean. Jesus' authority is willing to make us clean. 
So, uh, story moves on. A man approaches Jesus. Have a look at him in verse 40. Uh, A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Now look, you probably have a footnote there in your Bible that tells you that leprosy is some kind of skin disease. Uh, What's interesting uh, is the man doesn't say, you can make my skin better. You can make my leprosy go away. This is really annoying me. He says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now that's because the Old Testament, leprosy was a disease that was given to people as a punishment for their sin. And and it left the affected person as an outcast. So God dwelt in the the middle of, uh, he dwelt in the tabernacle in the middle of a camp and uh, people would live all around outside. Uh, But if you had leprosy, you would live outside of the camp. You were considered dirty. You were unacceptable to God. You, were, you couldn't approach him. I don't know uh, if, um, if you know this or perhaps you're even old enough to remember it, but um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a clip at the end of um, uh, England when, when the World Cup in 1966. So this, leprosy is a bit like that. Just let, let me tell you how. Um, so what happens is, is um, Bobby Moore... He's going up to, to meet the Queen. And, and you see him clock. The, 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 the Queen has these pure white gloves on. And he realises he, he, he can't approach. He can't possibly go there and shake, shake her hand because his hands are filthy with dirt. And so if you watch the clip, what he's doing is drastically, like, frantically rubbing his hands, trying to get, somehow get the dirt off his hands so he can shake the hand of the Queen because... He just he he can't he can't do it with with the dirt on his hands and the, and the queen's pure white gloves. You see, leprosy was like having dirty hands, but much worse. You, you would live alone. You had no occupation. You had no rights. You wouldn't be able to touch anyone. So you didn't spread this disease. You had to walk around with your torn your clothes torn, and you would have to shout "unclean, unclean," so that everybody would know just just what an estate you, you were in. No one wanted to know you. You were separated from the presence of God. It wasn't just dirt. It wasn't just a disease. This was a sentence for your sin. And the Old Testament tells us that that actually only God could do something about that. Only God could heal it. Only God could allow you to come back in. Now that's probably why the man comes to Jesus begging on his knees. Jesus, with the authority that he has, touches the man. And in verse 42, the leprosy has left him and he was cleansed. That's incredible. Yet this man is now clean, pure. He's suddenly, he's acceptable in the sight of God. He's welcome in the presence of God. He's clean. You see, this is far greater. This is a miracle. This is a, a, a healing that is far greater than getting rid of a skin disease. But the most amazing thing is not that Jesus can do it. 
It's that he's willing to do it. See, the man, the man knows that Jesus has the authority. He, he asks, what he asks is whether Jesus is willing. Verse 41, verse 41 what does Jesus reply? He says, I am willing. Be clean. I am willing. Jesus is willing to make us clean. Now, does that mean that Jesus just works some magic and you know, this, this man's dirt before God, what he's done, his, his sin, you know, it doesn't matter suddenly? Well, no, have a look at what Jesus says in verse 44. It says to the man, see that you don't tell anyone uh, this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing. It's a testimony to them. You see, someone with leprosy could only be brought back in if a sacrifice was made for their sin, the sacrifice of a lamb. And the thing is, he doesn't do it. See the verse 45? Instead, he, he, he went out and he began to talk freely. He doesn't offer a sacrifice at all. No sacrifice is made here. So how is his sin dealt with? Well, it must be dealt with on the cross. Jesus is a sacrifice. You see, that's why I think Jesus keeps saying to everybody, don't, don't, tell, don't tell them about me, don't tell them about me, because he knows that people are going to kill him, and it's not yet his time. But that, eventually, when he gets there, is how we know that Jesus is willing. You know, we look at the cross and we see that he's willing, not just to make this man clean, but to make each of us clean. Okay, so we, look, we don't have leprosy, I, I, I don't think. Uh, it's not particularly common here. But naturally, all of us are outcasts. And the dirt isn't on our skin. It's in our hearts. None of us are acceptable to God. And the good news is that Jesus' authority is not only one that he, he can make you clean, but that he uses it in a way that he's willing to make you clean. That's how he uses authority. That's why the authority of this king is so good. He doesn't abuse his power. He's not someone to hate or fear. He might not fix all your problems in this world, but he's willing to bring us to God. And I think the question is, do we, do we believe that? You know, I, I think this is probably one of the biggest truths that I struggle to really believe. You know, when I see my sin, I'm, not, I'm just not sure that he'll accept me again. I think what this passage says is, look at the cross. Because that says to us, not only that we must go to him, but that we can again and again and again. Because he's willing. I'm just going to uh, grab a drink and then 
Um, we usually, I didn't mention this at the start, but we have a discussion time uh, or a time for questions and thoughts or comments. And um, now's the time for that. So um, feel free, if you just want to sit there and reflect, that's fine. If you want to talk about something that you've seen, that's great. We'll just have a couple of minutes. And then if you want to ask a question or you want to add to what I've said or you want to pick up on something, that's brilliant. If you don't want to do that at all, don't worry. Um, we'll just then pray. Okay? So just a couple of minutes and then we'll have some time for thoughts and questions and comments. Okay, any, any thoughts or questions or comments at all? No problem if, if not, but feel free. Richard. Um, ben, you said that in the Old Testament, leprosy was punishment for sin. Yeah. Do you think that was always the case? Was always the case? For leprosy specifically? Yeah. I think that's something like Job. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and I think uh, so. In the context of Job, there. So, so the question is: uh, Is leprosy um, uh, always a punishment for sin? I, I think it, it very commonly was. Uh, so, uh, the background for this is Leviticus thirteen fourteen. If you read there, um, uh, you see that, that was certainly the case, and it's certainly from the text. The way they're outcast, it's certain, that certainly seems to be the case. And from other sources, they would confirm that. I think when you get to something like Job, where actually there's a much broader disaster in, 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 you know, in view, where actually his family been taken away and that kind of thing, um, I, I think you've just got to be really careful when you're talking more broadly about those kind of things. Um, it certainly is... Uh, sometimes um, sickness can be a way of God disciplining us. So sickness can be given to you so that you would turn back to God, so that you'd realise your need of him. Now I, I say that because of, somebody might need to help me out here, is it Psalm 32, something like that? I'd have to look that up. But um, there is a psalm that talks about how sickness is given so that we would turn to God. Um, uh, you know, it, my, my, um, my, it weighed down heavily on my bones and only when the psalmist cries out does, does God relieve him of that. But that's not always the case. That's absolutely not always the case. Um, sometimes we just, we just don't know why 
sickness is given to us. Um, we know that God's in control of that. We know that he works in all things for good. But it's not necessarily because of our sin. Um, I, I, I would definitely not say that is always the case. Um, I, think, I think it's the case with this guy here, uh, certainly. I, I would say that because of his language um, used. Does that, sorry, does that help? I'm kind of blabbering a bit. Do you want to, you want to come back at that, Richard? Um, no, I, I think generally that, that's right. That was the Jewish sort of view, wasn't it? Um, there was a case in the Gospels where, was it the disciples asked about the Lord, about a man, who sinned? Was it this man or yeah. his parents? Yeah. And the Lord said, well, actually, it was neither. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, and I, I would say, you know, we, we, we just got to, yeah, we've just, got to be, we've just got to be really sensitive and really careful when we're talking to people. Um, and they, are, they can ask that question. I think that's sometimes what we can think. Are we sick because I've sinned somehow? And I think the answer to that is that, you know, we encourage people to search their hearts and to seek God. But it's not necessarily because of your sin. Um, it, it, it might just be a circumstance. You have no idea why that's come about. Um, yeah. Um, Sandra? One thing that I find extremely encouraging is when I see people who are suffering, who are Christians, who are still giving God all the praise and all the glory in spite of their circumstances. Mm. And to me, that is key um, yeah. in terms of our lives. I mean, I feel the Lord suffered, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and, and the Bible, yeah, yeah, definitely. And, it, you know, I, I think the New Testament, it, it barely mentions leprosy. You know, I, I think um, it has a much broader view of suffering and trials of this life. Um, uh, that, of course, you know, we're called to persevere through and grow through. Um, I think the, the, the reason that I talked about um, sin here is simply because it's so specific. Because, the, you know, again, Old Testament kind of points in that direction and um, this guy's asking for cleansing, not um, health, if that makes sense. So we, we've, we've, got to, we've got to separate those two things out, definitely. Yeah, thanks. Anything else? Any other thoughts? Then there's, there's two times when um, uh, Jesus is encouraging, in the first case, yeah yeah um i i think so it, it kind of um that's right it happens almost throughout the passage so um in addition to the two things you've mentioned chris uh, you've got the you see verse 24 they the demon says i know who you are and immediately jesus says be quiet and he's constantly trying to shut people up. He's constantly trying to say, don't, don't tell people about me. Don't, don't do this. And um, you know, don't let people know who I am. And I think that's because what we'll see next week is that people don't like him. 
So you've got this kind of section here where people are gathering to Jesus. They're coming to Jesus. Everything seems to be going well. But what Jesus knows that we don't know at the moment, well, we do, but what they don't know at the moment, is as soon as you hit chapter 2, people are like, hang on a minute. This guy's claiming something that is blasphemy. And we're going to plot to kill him. And I think he's saying, don't tell, don't tell anyone about me because he, he, he wants to do that at a very specific time where um, people have seen enough of him to know who's being crucified, if that makes sense. So I think it's simply a, a timing thing. Um, does, that, does that make sense, Chris? Do you want to say any more yeah, on that? I think it's a, it's a thing that focuses. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And I guess that's that's part of it, isn't it? He, there's no misunderstanding, um, certainly on 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 what he's here to do. Yeah. Anything else? Okay. Great. Well, look, feel free to um, keep talking about this. Um, we're going to have lunch uh, soon, and we can talk about this over lunch. But um, let's pray now, and then we'll sing again. Father, we praise you for your goodness to us. Praise you, Father, for uh, not only the, the huge amount of authority that we see in Jesus, but how he uses it, not just for good, but to, to bring us to you. Father, we, we, we can't believe uh, that he is willing to do that for us. And we pray that this morning we would just know the amazingness of uh, all that he does for us. Please help us to praise him, uh, to know him more, and as we go from here, help us to know just how willing he is for us to come to him again and again, whatever we've done, whatever we're, we're like, that he brings us back. Father, we thank you for our dear Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you.